role is really interesting because I'm an assistant United Nations representative. I work for Unanima International. Our main representative to the UN is my director. And so it's really cool because you get to liaise with different people and different organizations that are really similar to ours. But you also get to communicate with different folks from governments, uh, activists, advocates, nonprofit workers, service providers, and professors, academics. So I think that's been really stimulating for me, just hearing from different groups and bringing their concerns to the table as an advocacy organization. Um, So that's kind of like our main role at the United Nations. I'm not a direct United Nations employee, but I do have an annual badge, which means I can access all the facilities anytime that they're open, which is really, really exciting and such a dream come true for me because I thought that was something I wouldn't be able to do this early into my career and at this young of an age. So it's been such a blessing. Laura Hicks graduated from Bemidji High School in 2017. She now works for Unanima International inside the United Nations in New York City. So let's talk about how one gets from Bemidji, Minnesota to the UN. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was definitely not a linear path. (laughs) It took a lot of swerves and yeah, well, first, I think I have to give credit where credit is due because there's so many incredible people in Bemidji and the northern Minnesota community that really made me feel like I could do anything. And that's something that has never left me. Um, So I think big shout out to some of the teachers at Bemidji High School. I remember having a conversation with my then AP US history teacher after school one day. And I basically told him, I was like, listen, I am so interested in writing and research, but also politics, but not just U.S. politics, international politics. And I don't know, like, what the field will look like for me or what I should study in school. And we had a really good conversation about it. And that's ultimately what led me to pick my major after I decided to attend Syracuse University in Syracuse, New York. So I ended up just applying to a bunch of different schools now with this new understanding that I wanted to pursue international relations or something like that as a major. Um, And the program at Syracuse University just was really incredible. And I just knew from the moment I stepped on campus that that was where I wanted to go. So I ended up going for my bachelor's degree there for three years. Um, So I completed it in 2020 after starting in 2017. And I graduated two months into the pandemic And I was absolutely terrified because at that point, we had no idea what this pandemic, what this virus, how it was all going to shake out. I mean, they said, oh, yeah, if we just all all hole up for two weeks, it'll go away, right? And obviously, that didn't happen. (laughs) You're right. So (laughs) I ended up uh, pivoting and deciding to go to grad school into 2021 rather than working for a couple years because the employment landscape just looked really, really dark and dire at that time. So I ended up going for my master's in public administration, and I focused on international development. And for folks who don't know, you know, there's an MBA, which is business administration, 
Um, that's private sector focused. And then public administration is public sector focused. So that could be government, nonprofits, et cetera. So I took that route. I focused on civil society organizations, which is what my organization is. And I ended up starting an internship with Unanima International, met the team, and really fell in love with the work. I thought it was so cool to attend these different events, albeit virtually at the time. And I got to speak at uh, the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues virtually via that internship. That was really, really exciting for me to do. And then a job opening came up uh, with Unanima International and I applied, and basically a few days after I graduated and completed my master's degree, I received the offer to join the team as the executive assistant and assistant UN representative. And I said yes and moved to New York within like two to three weeks after that, and now I am here. <laughs> so what's been going on at the UN? Essentially, at the UN, they have different... I guess, waves of activity um, where you bring in lots of different people, different people from different countries and member states on particular issues, and those are known as commissions. So in March, every year, there's the Commission on the Status of Women, and different organizations, governments, um, and key stakeholders, people with lived experiences come together and try to get some UN resolutions passed at the end of two weeks of negotiations, meetings, events, presentations uh, to advance the rights of women and girls across the world. So it's really exciting. Um, It's annual. This was the 66th session of it. And how does the United States measure up in terms of women's rights and inclusion of women, challenges women face? I think it's really interesting because the U.S. likes to play a leadership role in different UN spaces, for better or for worse. I think uh, we've learned a lot from COVID, and a lot of the topics that have been brought up have been on the gender pay gap that still very much exists here in the U.S., the reality that most of the statistics that you see in terms of job loss pertain to women, and a lot of that comes from the United States. So I think those are really big issues. And what my organization focuses on are women and children in poverty. So we like to look at the homelessness angle of it because women are often an invisible category in terms of displacement and homelessness. Uh, Men tend to be more visible among those populations. So we wanted to make sure that got to the table too because too often there are women in precarious situations, um, insecure housing or accommodation or couch surfing. And that has only been exacerbated because of COVID and unemployment and these other things uh, that have been discussed. So I hope that paints a little bit of a better Mm -hmm. picture for like what the U.S. is interested in, uh, what we care about as an organization and what the U.N. has been looking like with the commission this year. You're in such a unique position. What can we learn from other countries in terms of taking care of women and children and making sure people have opportunities and are represented fairly? Uh, Something that has been on my mind a lot lately, and I think it's because we had an event uh, yesterday on inclusive forms of advocacy and pathways for making advocacy spaces 
more inclusive of women and girls because their voices aren't often brought to the table. And if they are, they need to be listened to as well. It's not enough just to have someone be the token representation and then you move on and you never solve the problem. Um, so what I think I learned from that is that advocacy is not one size fits all and different women and girls that I've spoken with have highlighted that, uh, which I think is really, really an important point because I think the ways we think of organizing and instituting change here in the United States is completely different in different parts of the world. And the only way you can learn about different forms of advocacy, advocating for human rights and what that looks like in different contexts is to ask people and to learn from them and to ensure that their voices make it to places of power, even in this kind of hyper hybrid virtual world that we're living in right now. I'm talking with Laura Hicks. She is an executive assistant and assistant United Nations representative for an organization called Unanima International. She graduated from Bemidji High School in 2017, and she is working in the United Nations complex in New York City. Laura, I've driven by the United Nations building, or at least one of them, and it seemed pretty immense. What is it like? So overwhelmingly big if you stand in front of it truly um and i think like it it is a campus so there's different campuses and buildings in different places but there i guess there'd be two main headquarters the first of which is in new york city it's on the east river first avenue and 42nd to 44th i would say um if you wanted to look it up I guess it's 39 floors high, the administrative building that looks kind of boxy and with a ton of windows, but it is so huge when you're in there and there are so many offices. So that big building that everyone kind of associates with the UN, if, if it can come to mind, is an administrative building. Uh-huh. A lot of different uh, policy people, um, people working for different UN offices work there. And then the actual General Assembly Security Council, you know, the very famous rooms that you see on the news, especially as of late because of things with Ukraine, Mm -hmm. um, that's actually a separate building altogether. And then in addition to that, there are courtyards with different sculptures and art. A lot of art pieces are submitted by different countries, um, kind of as a sign of uh, a country's particular culture and um, really just like how they're committed to peace and to the mission of the UN. Mm-hmm. So that's really awesome. You'll see great art pieces that are scattered all over the grounds and in the buildings. And there's also a park there and it's all along the East river. Um, so of course the water is very beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and then the other main office is in Geneva, Switzerland, and that's known as the palace of nations. So it's less administrative looking and it looks like truly a castle. Um, Before COVID kind of happened, I was able to go on a research trip for my honors thesis for college. So I got to explore the inside and they had peacocks roaming around, just roaming around the grounds. It was so grand and ornate and just beautiful. So yeah, the buildings, the campuses are very gorgeous and can definitely house a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Your work gives you such a unique perspective of the state of affairs of the world, a world which has 
very complex and nuanced. What have you learned that gives you a lot of hope about the future? So I'll give a a really short anecdote Mm -hmm. that has left me with a lot of hope. Um, Different organizations uh, like mine uh, tend to collaborate together on different issues. And so one of the issues that some organizations will work together on um, are those affecting girls. And by girls, I mean like adolescent girls, uh, girls under the age of 18, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so one of the really cool things that I got to be a part of before the Commission on the Status of Women started was getting a huge group of girls from across the world together to write their own statement to submit to the UN that would be read out by one girl representative. And we also recorded the girls reading together and kind of collated all their different recordings. Mm -hmm. So it was real sense of unity, but it was led by girls for girls. And I was kind of an adult facilitator in the background, just making sure that if anyone needed anything, they could come to me. And the end results, that statement and the conviction and the intelligence and the hope that those girls had that was brought directly to the UN and used as a direct form of advocacy to leaders of different governments really just left me with a huge sense of hope. Mm. Um, Our young people of today are so motivated and are just so great at connecting with one another, regardless of distance and obstacles that are in their way. So I guess hearing from girls and young women directly leaves me with a sense of hope. Um, And that's something that I'm really taking forward with me into my career. Do you have next steps for your career or are you going to settle into this space and sort of see what happens? I think for now I'm settling into this space because it's really early on Mm -hmm. in my career. But in terms of what I'm really passionate about and the path that I could see myself taking, um, I really, really deeply care about migrants and refugees. And I think this stems a lot from Uh, my mom immigrating to the U.S. and her story and being this unintentional global citizen at such a young age, having um, one foot in one culture and one foot in another culture. She immigrated to the U.S. from the Philippines, but she got to immigrate willingly. And there's so many people that don't get to move willingly. Mm -hmm. So I think that dichotomy just made me think about the issues a lot growing up and it turned into a real passion now so I've just seen the treatment of different migrants and refugees across the world and it's just really broken my heart because so many people don't get to choose to leave their homes and then are forced into spaces where people don't understand them or want them Mm -hmm. we're seeing that a lot now with Ukraine and different countries And I really appreciate the different efforts that countries are putting forward to help Ukrainian refugees. There are so many other refugees across the world in the tens of millions, and the the trend keeps increasing. So I think ultimately I'd love to be in a space where I can make refugee policies more equitable and involve more refugees in the co-creation of those policies. Some kind of leadership role and global governance with that, because that's where my heart really is. 
Laura, what would you say to maybe a high school student from rural Minnesota who really feels passionate about issues that are affecting the world stage, but isn't sure about their ability to make an impact on the world stage? The field of international affairs can seem really intimidating as someone from a rural place or a small town or from Minnesota. And so it feels like you're really far away from the issues that are happening. But the unfortunate reality is that a lot of the issues that we're going to have to face as the United States, the world leader on the global stage, our country, uh, there are global issues. And it's really important for us to pay attention to them. And if that's something that deeply interests you and you feel like, man, I don't think that's something I could ever do. I don't know if I could ever study that. I don't know if I belong in this space, Uh, blah, 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 blah. I would say to that, uh, don't let your doubt get the best of you because if you care about these issues, we need you desperately. Um, I hope you feel the calling like I did um, to just study and to explore what opportunities are out there. And there is a space for everyone at the table. So... I hope some more folks from different places in the U.S. hop on board and get more involved in international affairs. It's such an interesting field, and we really need more uh, brilliant young minds at the table. That is Laura Hicks. She grew up in Bemidji. She graduated from Bemidji High School in 2017. She is an executive assistant and assistant United Nations representative for an organization called Unanima International. She works at the United Nations in New York City. I'm Katie Carter. Thank you for listening to this segment of Area Voices. Area Voices is made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota.